This year, move the dirt and make an impact by signing up for Power Athlete Program to crush your goals. Join our tens of thousands of athletes around the globe already empowering their performance as power athletes. For less than a dollar a day, get our world-class coaching delivered straight to the palm of your hand. Our programming is performance-driven and goal-oriented. Finally tuned through my first-hand experience playing the NFL and subsequent decade-long coaching and collaborating with some of the baddest motherfuckers on the planet. As a special time offer for the month of January, pay up front for a full year of training will give you a free 15-minute consult with myself or one of the crew, plus your choice of nutrition protocol, putting you on the best path for success. Visit powerathlete.com forward slash training and start today. Those who start tomorrow never get shit done. Start fucking today. Power Athlete Nation, welcome to another year of Power Athlete Radio. Tex here, and I'm joined by old friend Johanna Zabel. We went to college together. 18 years ago, we met and connected through sports performance in respect to, we didn't have the, the major at our school, but just drifted towards that as D3 All-Stars at Marymount University. Now we're in the performance field. And Joe has taken on a new task, moving from professional athletes and college athletes to being the contract strength and conditioning coach for Army Special Operations, and she's now based out of North Carolina. So what we're getting into today is discussing the differences between working with field court sport athletes and then entering into the tactical performance. What are they doing in their preparations? They still have to pass their tests, but there are certain performance markers that she needs to prepare them for. There's also different injuries from previous training mistakes and being difficult or hard-headed and going too hard and getting hurt. Now, later in their career, they have to work around these injuries. And one of the cooler parts of the conversation today, we talk about which wolf to feed meaning there's these go-hards within there, they're working their hardest, but is it taking away from their performance? Awesome conversation. Excited to get Joe on. It's been a long time coming. Coach underscore Joe underscore on Instagram. So you may have seen her stuff. Awesome way to start the new year and introduce uh, a different perspective for anyone aiming to enter into the tactical performance field as a coach. So if you are a military personnel, a lot of takeaways from this episode. If you're in the coaching profession, also many takeaways for you to think about any transition that you have coming in for your career. The whole field of tactical performance is blowing up LEO, fire, military. And we explore that a little bit. So excellent episode. I'm so happy to have Joe on. What motivated you to to make that jump from working with athletes specifically to now that work with field court sports into the tactical performance? Yeah, I had started to do a little bit of um, firearms competition and training. Um, met a lot of people in law enforcement, tactical, you know, military, all of that, and just kind of saw you know the the physical platform from which they needed to be able to move, operate, you know, ambulate with a firearm, that kind of thing. It's very intriguing to me. Um, I started doing it in competition. I thought, wow, this is really, really cool. Um, and met a lot of the people in that community through those avenues and was just blown away. Um, and just have always had a deep level of respect, um, for the military. 
Uh, I was a Coast Guard kid, so I moved around every four years. Uh, grew up, my first gym, like the first place I was clanging and banging weights was Quantico's um, Larson's gym. And Larson's isn't there anymore, but if you're old school Marine Corps, like you know Larson's gym um, on Quantico Marine Corps base. Uh, so, you know, just always have had that. And then I actually got into um, one of a, a nonprofit. Um, that one of my instructors at GW started, it's called Soldiers to Sidelines, um, and it is a veteran service organization. And so we um, help uh, veterans become coaches and mostly youth sport coaches in a bunch of different avenues, lacrosse, basketball, football primarily, and then now sports performance. So I became the director of sports performance for Soldiers to Sidelines. And then that was just, again, another, you know, coming together of military and, and veteran service. And it kind of just branched me into this and starting to meet a lot of the coaches, you know, even in that one time that you and I hung out uh, at coaches conference down in San Antonio and sort of just making those connections. And I was like, yeah, I really want to do this. And this became so much more of, um, I don't know, my way of giving back my service to be able to, to serve this community and, it, it comes with so much purpose um, as compared to being in a, you know, field or court sport strength and conditioning coach. Absolutely. The, uh, I have that similar feeling when, when John and I get the opportunity to work with some high level individuals, like this is my opportunity to give and as respectful as I can be and to quote one of my old teammates and one of our classmates, John W. Hart and, like a one time a freshman tried to cut in line. Well, I guess he was a Marine that kind of joined our lacrosse team following Iraqi freedom. And so like easily the oldest freshman on the team, but also the most badass dude we had on our team. And uh, somebody tried to talk down to him, essentially like a 20 year old junior and a freshman's cutting in line. And John W. Hart just drops the, okay, but you're welcome for that blanket of freedom that you sleep with every night. And I was like, oh, damn. So we became fast friends and me understanding like, shit, man, he's been through things that I'll never, I can't even imagine at the same time, uh, make an effort when we do work with different populations, whether it's the, the regular army, I hate that term, but at the same time, like well-known the army or the higher level guys, just, Hey, let's talk about it, man. You save space to talk about performance and, um, aim to empower them, whether it's simple fixing this or that technique or talking about how they're hitting their training and what can we adjust and just giving that community as much as I can, because hell no, I'm too, I'm too weak. D3 all-star to serve. There you go. D3 all-stars. And I I mean, and if I can, if I can tell a story real quick, when I first started, I've only been in the job for six months and, um, it, it it was the first couple of weeks into the into my job with the army now and i met a guy who had gotten blown up in syria and he was in our unit and he was retiring soon and he had no eyes um his ears were working okay um had had all of his basically his organs blown out you know but now he still comes back to the gym he's blind, completely blind um and he would want to work out And the other coach that I work with um, would take him through deadlifts and like D ball over, you know, over a yoke, like 
he'd be rowing, he'd be biking. And I just would think like, oh my God, imagine like closing your eyes, shaking your head around a bunch and then trying to deadlift, you know, like that's what he's experiencing in this moment. And before he left, like he was the most humble. His family was so kind. He was amazing. And he still wanted to get it in. So he'd come to the gym a couple of times a week. And before he left, before he retired, he like presented me with a shirt. I took him through one workout. He presented me with a shirt and like, it had like, you know, his, his old, his old face on it, his original face and, you know, all, all of this stuff. And he hands it to me and he's like, Joe, your job here is important. What you're doing here is important. When I got blown up, the doctors gave me 0% chance of living and my body kept fighting. And then they told me later, you know, you are only alive today because of how fit you were going into this. And he was like, so you need to remember that, Joe, your job is important. And I was like, okay, cool. Bye. I'm going to my office to cry now. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> like yeah, I, I was done. So after that, well, I mean, how did that feel? Did you take yeah. it all in? Did you journal? Like, okay, I need to, I need to remember this. Yes. I mean, that mo- there, I have, I mean, I have, I knew him for like two months, you know, but I have all these stories that like two, at least within the first month of me working there, I'm like crying at work and I'm like, Joe, get it together, man. You know, like his son gave me a gift, his little like seven-year-old son. And I'm like, your dad can't see your mom's driving him everywhere. His mom leads him in his little boy takes him to the bathroom, like all of these things. Right. And they're thinking of me in their off time and being like, Oh, coach Joe needs this. And like bought me something off Amazon. You know, I'm like the, just the, the whole culture of service and the culture of selflessness and thinking of others. Like I was done after that. I was like, this is the best job ever. I will do this forever. I don't even care. Like this is where I want to be. I know I'm supposed to be here. It was an, it was an amazing experience to just within my first month, have that, have him sit me down and talk to me. We actually did a, like, I want to say it was like a four mile run together. He's blind. Right. So they do it like the sprinters in the Olympics where they have like uh, a rope and you Mm -hmm. hold on to it. He, he holds onto one and his person, which uh, the girl that ran with us with was his former medic and they just hold on to it and they keep their arms swinging in the same cadence. And I went on a run with this dude and like, again, like he has no eyes, you know, like it's just, it's so humbling to think about the people that you're working with and like what sort of difference you might be making, whether it's even just being there in the weight room with them and just like them talking to you. Cause we all know, like, it's not just like weight room talk, right. They start to talk to you and tell you things, mm-hmm. um, things that they're struggling with or things that, you know, um, are going well for them or whatever. Like you get to rejoice and you get to suffer with them just a little bit. And I'm, I'm honored like every single day I'm honored. Now think of the, the, the professional athlete realm, like how, how do the conversations differ during that downtime than your experience previously with those, those professional or college athletes? Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's interesting because I've, I would have some of those, I remember, you know, like, like my baseball team and stuff at, at Marymount. Sometimes I would get on some kid and then be like, what's 
wrong with him? Like what's going on with him? And it's the same type of deal. Like as a coach, you have to be so in tune. You see them so often, right? Like, so hopefully if you're a good coach and you're paying attention, you're in tune with what something going on with that athlete, that soldier, whoever it is, you see a change. You could be that first line of like, what's going on with this person. Right. And, you know, when we talk about the military, there's a lot of, you know, PTSD, suicide, like all of these statistics that everyone always talks about. And I, you know, I had that when I had my college kids, you know, uh, this, the most like, you know, tough, whatever baseball, lacrosse, whatever guy, you know, sometimes would come up to me and be like, yeah, coach, like stuff's not going so well at home, you know? And that's why I've just been a little, like, that's why I dropped that weight earlier. That's why, you know, whatever, like my parents aren't doing well or, you know, things like that. And it's the same, you know, it's the same type of deal. Um, I just think that it's more prevalent in the military population, right? Because stuff is kind of always high stakes, always going on, especially in special operations, right? Like there's always deployments, long deployments. There's always, you know, a jump every week, meaning they're jumping out of planes training, right? There's always, you know, something that's very physically demanding, um, pulling them away from their families, like all of these things that are just really high stressors. And I think, you know, it just, it's similar, but it just happens more often. And I think the stakes are a little higher. Oh, absolutely. Um, so take us through your training experience with the, the group. Like, are, are you training individuals? Is it uh, open gym and you're providing guidance? Like what's the current atmosphere in which you're working with the, the tactical pop? Yeah. So it was surprising to me uh, with the particular unit that I work for. Um, it is a little bit more individualized just because of how they assimilate and go out the door. Right. So like there'll be a couple of them will be over here doing this training. A couple of them will be over there doing that training. So they're kind of all over either here or abroad. And so you kind of have to individualize it. This guy's in language school. This guy's over here at this school. This guy's doing this. And, um, we, you know, we have to make sure that, and, and, and everybody is right. Like, it's just like a college team, right? You've got like, you know, those who are super fit and they're really invested and they're always working hard. And then you have people that are like, I already, I'm on the team. So, <laughs> so there is, there is still that spectrum, right? So there there's a little bit of individuality that you have to kind of sprinkle in there um, for the most part, right? They have to be able to pass the ACFT at a high level. They have their different gates or, you know, tests throughout the year that they have to do like a six mile rock or a five mile run or something. And they have to pass it in a certain amount of time, right? So there are those things that we 100% have to train them for. And then there are other things where it's like, all right, well, like, are you going to be able to carry a litter with your, you know, 200 pound buddy on it? Let's also work on that. Right. And then you have all different sizes, all different shapes of people. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's very interesting to me because I, you know, I would think like, oh, everyone's going to be like almost like these like cookie cutter soldiers. And it's just not the case, right? Everyone is so different. And it it is very similar in that way to training you know, a team that has varying levels of skill and proficiency. But more intelligent individuals. 
Yeah. Maybe. Absolutely. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, both no, uh, making listen. Uh, fun decisions on the weekends, I imagine. I mean, to a certain extent, but you have some of the most cerebral, some of the, some of the smartest dudes in this unit and, um, they're, you know, they, they do a ton of language training and a bunch of different stuff like that. Um, and they are smart, which becomes, you know, a challenge for the coach, right? Because they read, they're like, well, what about this? Why am I not doing this in my training? I've been doing this. Is that good? Right. And again, like I always tell, used to tell my students or my athletes or whatever, is that good? Like, that's not a question. What are we talking about? Our kettlebells good, right? They're amoral. Wait, not good or bad. We're seeing like, what are they used for? Right. Let's ask better questions. So, you know, getting them down to having those conversations, but it's cool because they're intelligent enough to have those conversations where if you give them real information, they actually really want it. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to explain like post-activation potentiation to like a high school or a college kid, they're like, why are you talking to me about this? I just want to lift weights. Right. Like you don't do that as a coach, but sometimes here, like they will ask you these questions. Hey, have you heard about this? And you're like, Oh God, no, I haven't even heard about that one yet. I better go look it up. You know? Yeah. 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 Let's talk about it. Like one of my, one of the guys, he will send me articles, um, be like, what do you think about this? And I'm like, oh, I got to read now. You know, like he's not, he's holding me accountable. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta be on your stuff for sure. What? I mean, I imagine they're, they're testing you. It's like a young child. They're, they're bringing in this information and putting it in front of you. Okay. I'm going to test this new coach and see what's going on. What do they think about occlusion training and then just leave it right there or whatever it may be. Yeah, absolutely. They'll, they, they, especially in the beginning, but it's so funny because they keep having this experience when a new group comes back from deployment because they don't know me yet. So uh-huh. our guys, you know, some of, some of the guys that I came in with, they, they went out the door. And I mean, by that, I mean, they, they deployed somewhere. Right. And then other, other guys are coming in and I'm like, hi. And they're like, who are you? You weren't here when I was here before, you know, because they'll go out the door for six, 12 months Mm -hmm. and, you know, they come back and they're all like discombobulated because the time is different and whatever. Um, and like you're meeting them for the first time and they're like sizing you up. Like, what do you know? What do you do? What's your thing? You know? Yeah. And so I'm consistently having to do that. And I imagine I'll have to do that for at least about 18 months, you know, and then even, even more so like as people in process into the unit, but by that time, you know, I, I will have been here. So I, you know, you make a name for yourself. And I think, I think that's, you know, that's anywhere. Other coaches, other athletes talk to me. Oh yeah, that's coach Joe. Like she's whatever. X, Y, Z could be good. They're going to vouch for you. What, yeah. Yeah. Then let's talk about that acceleration process in respect to them connecting to you. Cause I mean, you were in this job, you were in this position to make them better, similar to any tactile strength coach that's out there. Or, uh, as our, our pal Callie Hinsman can attest, like she's in place to watch out for her fellow police officers and get them thinking about sleep, weightlifting, and everything they need to be better. You are in place to improve them. What you're going to say 
is going to improve them, but how are they going to perceive that message? So how do you accelerate that connection versus just telling or shaking or, I mean, hitting them with a stick? Like what, what's your approach? Yeah, I think it's, it's very interesting because I don't usually tell them anything. I don't tell them to do anything. I usually ask questions and listen. I think a huge part, and like I've heard that from multiple, that's not like, you know, new information. Like I've heard that from multiple really fantastic coaches in the field that listening is one of the biggest things, especially in this population when they're so, they're so, you know, educated already. Like if you just go out and often like, you know, beat your chest and tell them all the things that, you know, they're just like, okay, like what I didn't ask. Right. But like asking them about themselves even, even something that's completely unrelated to training. Like I will ask a guy about, right. Okay. What battalion are you in? Oh, cool. That means you go to this country. What, what language do you speak? And then start to, you know, create that relationship there. Um, and then my first question, when people come to me for a program is what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they, I think they, they always pause, like for the most part, they go, Oh, I, um, you know, cause I don't think people are t- asking them that in the army, right? Like they're being told where to go, what to do, whatever. And I try to make it very clear that I am there to serve them. I am there to add, right. To, to, to be an addition to what they're already doing and not to take away anything, not to make them change, make them make big changes or do anything I want to add. So add value, right. So, mm-hmm what can I do for you? What can I offer you? Okay. And then I start to ask more questions about that. They're like, Oh, I just don't feel fast anymore. I'm like, what does fast mean to you? What does fast look like? Right. Do you mean fast, uh, two mile time? Do you mean fast, like short sprints? Do you mean fast, like getting a barbell over your head? What do you mean fast? Right. And so then unpacking that and being able to like sit with them face to face and look them in the eye and ask them, what they want and tease out what they're really looking for. And obviously like, right. Getting down to their why, um, because there's always a why right behind the what of what they want and kind of getting down to that. They're always there. I feel like they're always excited for that. And then within the program that I work for the, we have a really great, um, integrative approach. So clinicians, um, we've got, you know, behavioral health, we've got, spiritual, like chaplains, family, like all of those, um, things are integrated and they have access to resources there. So I don't have to really push anything specifically on them. If I hear them talking about something, I might ask them, well, how have you been sleeping? Right? Like if they don't feel like they're recovering or like, oh, my lifts have gotten so bad, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, well, how are you sleeping? You know, especially if I know them a little bit better and I can tell they're sleepy that morning, I can be like, how'd you sleep last night? You look a little, you know, and they'll be like, oh, coach. Yeah, it's it. You know, they have, they're older. So the population that I work with is a little bit older. They're not fresh in the army, right? They've been in for 10, 15 years and they have, have they have kids, they have wives, they have mm-hmm. this whole family life that they are dealing with as well as their job, as well as being deployed, as well as all those things. So, you know, asking them about those things also goes a really long way. And then that's where you can start to influence. Okay. 
okay, you're not sleeping well. What can we do about that? Like, what are some little things that we can do? Oh, you're eating like this. Cool. Have you talked to the dietitian? Um, oh, you did. What did she say? Okay. Have you been implementing that? And so like, if they've spoken with a dietitian, then I'm seconding what the dietitian is saying. And then the dietitian is also seconding what I'm saying. Oh, are you training? You know, are you getting enough protein? Are you, you know, those types of things. And we're very, I'm very fortunate to be on a team that has, that we're all really on the same page from, you know, the clinical side and the dietary side to the training side. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that does sound awesome. The, I older population, I imagine they made some mistakes in their training decisions years before getting to where they are. Uh, we don't have to talk about the specific injuries that you're seeing, but at the same time, like how, what is your approach as a coach to still give them the, the adaptations, the performance that they need while still working around the injuries that they've done to themselves from years of doing what they do? Yeah. Um, well, it's (laughs) fortunate or unfortunate. I don't know what, what you want to call it, but I waited till I was 35 to tear my ACL. I never had a, you know, crazy, you know, injury. I had a lot of stuff through college, low back issues, shoulder issues, ankle, knee issues, just like little nagging stuff that you get from being a college athlete. Right. But I never had any catastrophic injury, waited till I was 35 to tear my ACL and had to go through that. Right. So I have a little bit of, you know, personal knowledge and I, I love that. I would never go back and go, yeah, I'll tear my ACL again. That's cool. But like, I love that I have that personal knowledge of a catastrophic injury to be like, Hey, yeah, I get it. Like, Oh, what graft did you get? And like, I can go in the clinic and kind of talk to them. That's another, again, like the beauty of the integrative approach. Like I'll walk down from my office onto the weight room floor, chat with some soldiers, go into the clinic, see some of the soldiers who are being seen. And then I'll be like, Hey, what's, you know, what's going on with them? Joke a little bit with them, ask them how they're feeling today. If I see them on a regular basis, they know, Oh, that's coach Joe. Like she'll, she'll get me right when I'm out of here. And the clinicians are so good. Our C's and ACs are super awesome about pulling us in as strength coaches and being like, Hey, can't like, we have a squat rack in our, you know, in our clinic. Right. And they're like, Hey, can you come look at this, at this guy's hinge? Can you look at this guy's, you know, back squat? Like I'm just seeing some of this. And like the, the fact that, okay, his RDL or his back squat, Christopher. Yeah. Same um, thing. Hinge. Yes, yes, yes. Hinge, hinge, hinge. Um, <laughs> but can you, can you look at this and see what, you know, what you see? And then we kind of like compare our thoughts and then we're like, yeah, great. This is the approach that we would take. And this is how we would transition them to strength and conditioning. Right. And then as we go, right, we know that maybe, you know, maybe this is taken care of and we feel confident about bridging that gap between clinical and training, like uninjured training or full green light training. Um, but obviously, you know, people are going to have re injuries, nagging stuff, backs, you know, ankles, whatever it might be. And again, we are going to be able to work around that, make everything else stronger and also re-refer back or just walk over in the clinic and be like, Hey, do you think this is a problem? 
it's only pain when they do, you know, this and this. And they'd be like, all right, no, we've seen his most recent imaging, like, or something like that. And it's like, all right, we'll modify this way. So instead of an overhead press or a horizontal press, we'll do like a 45 degree landmine press. And then that, that totally takes care of that problem in the shoulder, right? Mm -hmm. The the thing's still there, the problem's still there and it's going to be there, right? But getting them to do something that they feel confident in, that they can load up, that they can feel fast or powerful in, um, I think adds so much value because they're, they, they're, they're higher speed. Like they want to move fast. They want to move big weights and they feel so discouraged when they cannot. Um, so getting them to do something that they can do is, is like, it's huge for them physically and mentally. Yeah. With our, our hammer program, it's mixing in different forms of sprint. So the guys run three days a week, but then it's, it's hitting their rock is their longer distance running in that respect, still sprinting and then technique medium distance. So they're still getting what they need in respect to, I have to pass this test to keep in my job and then what they need. Uh, well, we know a lot of high functioning individuals and their experience tells us that you're going to need this to do your job well. So we're going to help train you for both in that respect and then lift all other days and get strong as, as hell in, uh, while maintaining all the other things you need to do your job. So that's a fun way that it, we deliver. And, and, um, cool thing about that, that hammer program was we got to, to work with the different army and then some, some badasses in the Navy and see it unfold real time and then come back another six months, check in while working with the guys one-on-one, uh, in terms of long, virtual distance comms. Hey, what are you guys feeling, experiencing, and then revisiting with them to, uh, to really dial it in. So high quality off the shelf deal, but I mean, nothing beats an in-person coach. That's for sure. Yeah. And I, I also think when you get into some of those special, special operations and, and the populations of guys that are a little bit older, um, they also start to approach training from a smarter, not harder, um, you know, mentality, which is so interesting to me. And I think it's awesome because you're seeing this culture shift of like, just go, go, go as hard as you can every day for as long as you can, you know, whatever versus I've even had some of the younger guys in the unit come up to me and be like, you know what? Like I, my body feels like crap from just doing, you know, going, going, going as hard as I can every single day. And mm-hmm. I notice that on the weekends when I'm with my family, or if I want to go golfing or something like that, like, I don't even feel like I want to do that because my body hurts. And so this one soldier said that to me and approached me and was like, can you, can you make me strong, but like also durable for like all my other life stuff? And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Right. Like that whole, like, I'm a big minimum effective dose person. Mm -hmm. So like, okay, let's them what they absolutely need, but guess what? They're so tired. They don't sleep well. This population does not sleep well, right? They don't recover well. They don't do this. So if we're just slamming them into the ground every single day, it's in general, not going to make them better just because they're not able to 
recover as aggressively as you need to, to train that aggressively. So when I can convince somebody to do a little bit less sometimes, but do more high quality work, um, I think that's a huge coach win. Oh yeah. And they, if they do the high quality movement, less is more. Uh, what, how did they ask that question? Like, did they ask it like, this is, this is a long shot. This is not going to be anything true, but can't, is this a possibility? Like, how do they ask that question to you? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of like that. Like the guy was like, he was having, every time I sit down with a, with a guy, it's like, you know, 15 minutes at the least to just kind of suss out, like, what are you actually looking for? And for whatever reason, you know, this particular soldier was like very able to be very open with me, very quickly, honest, like, I don't feel good on the weekends, you know? And I think the, the overall mentality is just to be like, who cares? Like sleep when you die. And I'm, you know, yeah, everything's going to hurt all the time. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to talk about it. And, but he, he was able to come to me and say, yeah, like my body just hurts. I don't want it to hurt all the time. And I'm just training myself into the ground. And he was, he's a strong dude. He moves really well. Um, and you know, he's youngish for like late twenties, you know, for our unit. And so I'm like, you're realizing this already. That's kind of awesome. And like, hopefully you haven't done too much damage so far, but he's getting way ahead of it. I mean, there's guys in their late thirties, forties that are like still trying to train super hard and oh, I'm well, super I mean, broken and pain don't hurt. So I get where they're coming from. What do you say? Pain don't pain, hurt. Pain don't hurt. That's uh, it's from Roadhouse. Ah, uh, got it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, I, he came with that question of like, is there, is there like, are you, can you do that for me? You know? And I was like, I told, I got super excited about it because usually everyone comes in and they're like, I want to train seven days a week and I want to do this and this and this. And then I'm also going to run um, on my own, but you can also give me a running program and I'm going to lift and I want to lift five days a week. Um, and then, the, you know, and I'm like, when, how are you doing this? You know, like in my own, you know, mid to late thirties body, I'm like, I'm thinking like, Oh my God, like, I don't, I, I don't want to have to do, I don't want to have to put I'm in the hours tired just time. listening to all this. Like I'm out of breath, just right. listening to you. Yes. And plus you have to do X, Y, Z else for work. No, thank you. Right. And so, you know, I try to paint that picture of like, Hey, what if we could do a little bit less? Um, and the, the problem there is like, if I can, if I can convince one of them, I might not be able to convince their training partner who has always done, you know, a million things. And then their training partners like, Oh, come on, man. You know, you can do more than that. And I'm like, yeah, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. And so let's, let's try to pair it back. And I've, you know, I've had to, I've had to talk a few guys down a little bit about it. Like they're like, oh man, you know, so-and-so's like, give me a hard time about, you know, this and that. And I'm like, okay, how do you feel though? Right. Like bring it back to them and be like, how are you feeling? Are you sleeping better? Right. Are you feeling strong? Are you getting stronger? So who cares? Right. 
oh, I'm afraid they'll just recover to the point that they'll feel good enough to go back to, to max out that training terrorist they call a teammate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, it, I mean, in respect to that, there, and this is even exists in the sport realm, like we are putting on a pedestal the, the obsessed hard workers, the people that are, are staying in the gym, doing more than they probably can handle in terms of volume. And then that creates a, I guess, an ununderstood relationship with hard work. And to quote John Wooden, don't mistake activity for achievement. So some of the things that they do in the weight room, I was training for two hours. I went out and logged, you know, 5K. I went out and did XYZ, which is essentially just crossing things off the box rather than training and driving adaptation and preparing them for the demands of their profession or sport. So like how, how have you taken the approach to pulling back the reins from those individuals like the training terrorist aforementioned that just go too hard that are driving themselves into the ground and doing too much or more than they have to. So I think one of the, um, one of the most powerful things there is that inevitably, right, that person is going to be in pain or going to have some nagging little thing. And if I can find that thing or if they end up complaining to me about it or if, you know, they end up just mentioning it and I can be like, oh, let's have you ever tried this? and give them some sort of solution to that, then they start to trust you a little bit, right? So like getting someone, right? Annette Zapp always says, if you can get someone, someone out of pain, they will, right? They will start to trust you. They will follow you anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you, if they are living with this thing, so much so that it is this background level of just, you know, like, like when your dishwasher is running or the air conditioner is running, you don't even realize it until it turns off. And you're like, oh my God, that mm-hmm. was really bothering me. Right. And so I think some of these guys have been living with some of the stuff for so long that they, they don't even notice that it's there. Right. And then when they do realize how much better they feel after they've tried something that you've shown them or, you know, you've given them an alternate exercise or, you know, some sort of something that tricks their neurological system, even like just the simplest little things, right. Um, they'll start to go, Oh, maybe there is something to smarter, not harder. Maybe there is, maybe this could benefit me. And it's not going to be overnight, right. It's not going to be like crazy volume. I'm doing everything to like doing the perfect program. Right. But if you can move the needle a little bit and get them, you know, starting to move that way. I think that's a win as well. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it is interesting. Like, um, working with athletes in the spectrum on a team where you have the kids that are talented, but just have an attitude and they don't within practice or the, the poor competition, they don't need to put the extra work in. You don't need to work hard to find some success, get the, the dopamine release of scoring the goal and, and beating somebody in practice or against a, a shitty team. 
then you have the individuals that are just the walk-on mentality. They're going to drive themselves through a wall, and they're not necessarily the the most athletic. And at the same time, like they feel they need to do this hard work, and then they're behind the individuals that are not working as hard. And then you as a coach need to drive the non-workers to understand that every rep is an opportunity to improve and create a mindset for when you do face the competition at the same time. Okay, well, go hard. Let's focus on ease and attention. Relax. Let's find the, the, the zone, if you will, by trying not to try and see how that improves your performance. Um, I imagine with the military, like in the, the selection process of many of these special forces teams, like the mental aspect is such a part of being a, a tactical professional. Like once you break through it and prove to yourself that you have that capability, okay, what are the things and focuses can we work on? You've proven to yourself, you've proven to me, I get it. You're here in this building. You've got the security clearance, sir. Now, can we focus on what you need to to make yourself better? Stop working so hard. Now you're not doing anything. Forgetting Sarah Marshall quote. Great coaching movie. Um, but that's the art of coaching, I suppose. Yeah. I think, you know, trying to educate and teach people, give people a little bit better idea of what they do need because – there are a lot of things that they think they need and there are a lot of things that they want or think they want. Right. So they'll come up to me and say like, Oh, I really want to do this in my program. And then I'll be like, well, well, why do you want to do that? And then they're like, well, because so-and-so over there does it. And like, look how jacked he is or like, what, you know, something like that. Some, something that is like not necessarily causation. It's just correlation. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm oh, this person does that. Like this person eats, you know, three cups of spinach every day and they look like that. I'm going to eat three cups of spinach every day. Right. And there is like some correlation there. Right. But that's not why they look like that. There's a plethora of other reasons that they look like that. Right. So educating them and being, and asking them more questions because I'd never just go, oh, that's what you want. Cool. 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 I'm always like, why? for your ACFT, for your five mile gate, for your, like, what are we looking at? Right. And then, you know, it comes down to like, oh, well, you know, I just want to like feel cool while I'm lifting. I'm like, okay. But what's wrong well, with you're not, Joe? I mean, I want to feel cool while I'm lifting, Chris, 100%. However, I also need to do the things <laughs> that I need to do to get a training adaptation that I'm looking for. So yes, we're going to sprinkle in the cool. Absolutely. Right. And sometimes if people are saying something and they just keep, you know, going, I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, cool, 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 cool. cool. Yeah, for sure. I'll give you that. And then like you sprinkle it in, you let them, you know, you let them think they're doing something and you just make sure that you're giving them a good program and making sure that they're going to get stronger and do the things that they need to do. Right. Are we, are we talking about bicep curls? Do they feel I they mean, need more? Who doesn't feel like they need more? This is what this is what I always said. Like when I was coaching college, I was always just like, you know, I didn't, I never, 
I never program bicep curls because they do that anyways, right? But like sometimes at the end of the day, I'd be like, all right, let's do some drop set curls, guys. Let's go. Let's go after it. And then they'd be so happy and excited. Well, in observation, some of the the teams I was working with, I thought that and then would come in. There's two two fallacies I remember, uh, especially at the college level. One was the biceps and bench press. We don't need to program that. They're going to take care of it. And then observing and realizing, oh, crap, it's, it's not my Texas high school football team. We need to incorporate this. Again, with lacrosse, not necessarily the association with the weight room as with football. So poor assumption there. And then one thing Wellborn used to drop was effort is assumed and speak to this high level of performance. And then observe, observing the Kennesaw State football team with Jim Carizzi, like, man, he does an amazing job getting and coaching the effort up. A lot of the kids that, the, that would come into the weight room, maybe it's due to finals or their personality. Like I only observed for a week. But like, man, they needed him to really get them into the zone, fight for that effort. And as a C, it's it's a great winning program that Jim's helping out from the weight room. Um, so like two things from that college, like, okay, where are these kids coming from? Maybe we do need a little bench press and buys. Military guys, maybe not. Less biceps. How about some calves, some more hamstrings, any form of hinge, squatting, front squatting, overhead squatting. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, just from the bird leg dudes that I know that uh, have been through the doors of where you're at that uh, I know personally and can make fun of. Um, but yeah, just the cool, I mean, assumptions are dangerous. And it's awesome that you're asking these these questions to the individuals versus just cut and paste here, print for you, print for you, print for you. And really getting them to to understand their performance and going back to our, our story you began with, like getting them to realize the value of the weight room for when they really need it. Yeah, I think and I think another, you know, another dimension of that is asking them how long, how many days a week they will realistically train and how many how much time do they have to do it? Cause that differs wildly mm -hmm. and it's very interesting. Cause some guys are like, Oh, I need to get in at lunch. It needs to be like 30, 45 minutes. And I just want you to, you know, just to blast it. And I'm like, okay. And then other guys are like, yeah, I'll be in here, you know, super early in the morning, two hours. <laughs> and so when you're, yeah. So when you're like writing that program for them there and they're like, Oh yeah. Uh, it's kind of short. I'm like, what this is, you know, so this is what I did. So the, when I first got there, I was writing shorter programs because like, that's what I do. And that is what, you know, like my minimal effective dose brain goes like, yeah, you, you have all this other stuff you need to do. You don't need to be in here for like five hours. And then some of like the younger guys specifically were like, um, that doesn't take that long. And I'm like, yeah, but did, but like, did you do did it you go all? Heavy are enough? You getting stronger? Are you, was that, you know, what was your perceived exertion? Like, and then, so then I started writing like super, like long, a lot longer ones. And then they'd be like, Hey, uh, this is taking me about two hours. And I'm like, Oh, okay. You know? And then, but I think I'd rather that 
because then they're like, oh, so then I get to take away, you know, and then they're, and then they're a little bit, they're more amenable to me taking away when they're like, oh, you thought I could do all this. That's awesome. Whereas like, if you under-program, right, time-wise, they're like, oh, she doesn't, she doesn't get how hard she don't know I am, me. you know, or like, she don't know. Yeah, exactly. She doesn't know where I'm coming from. Um, so, you know, like that was kind of a correction that I've had to make. And then I've sort of like balanced into this sort of middle ground of like, you know, get it done in an hour and five minutes, you know, it's like mm-hmm. perfect. Do you, but, do you train in the facility to show, show them who you are? Absolutely. So that's, that's actually something that, um, my, my boss was, is really, you know, um, supportive of like, make sure you are getting your workouts in and make sure you are, you know, staying strong and embodying what you guys are actually coaching up. Right. And I remember one of the first weeks I, you know, was deadlifting or rack pulling or doing, you know, doing something and a couple of uh, a couple of, you know, the soldiers came in and, and saw, and then they were like, Oh, okay. And I think it was like immediate respect, like, okay, Joe, Joe gets after it. Like, you know, I think that's, I think that's always been a thing for me. Right. Like I, like I said earlier, like when the dads would walk in and be like, Oh, those girls coaching our boys football combine. And they would be very, like some of them were straight up upset. And then others were just like, how is she gonna, right? And then I would run the drills and demo and do all the stuff. And then by the end of it, they like, there were multiple parents walking up to me going, hey, like you, you did a good job today. I'm like, you can tell your son, like, I don't, you know, but like, it was just kind of like, they, they were very surprised, right? Like I'm a female, first of all, you know, that's, that's always going to be some sort of barrier, right? Which fine, cool. Um, but, and that came from, uh, you know, I come from very heavily football, uh, background of coaching. And so when, you know, you go to this population, they want to see you work out. They w- and some, sometimes when they come in later in the day, they're like, Hey, you want to, you want to, or like, you want to get after this, you know, whatever it might be. Um, we're going to do, you know, this many meters on the row. We're going to do this many meters on the bike. And like, if you'll join in with them every once in a while, like just jump in with a workout with them that again, that is a level of respect. I think that they're like, all right, Joe's down. Like she'll, you know, she'll get after it with us. And, um, I think that was important for me. That's it's always important for me to kind of establish that, um, to be like, Hey, you know, I, I'm going to do this too. I don't need to do the things that you're doing. Um, but like, I will put a rock on my back and walk and, and like, know what that feels like. I will, you know, go to the range and like, get down on my stomach and like, see what it feels like to, you know, be in a prone position on a rifle. Right. I will do these different things. Um, I think there was a little bit, uh, a level of respect there already because I do have some of like my shooting competition stuff on my Instagram or whatever. So they were able to kind of like check me That's out ahead of time and be like, at oh, okay, coach Joe, everyone. It's great. Follow. It's don't coach I know you underscore from Instagram? Joe underscore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. Those don't matter. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> have you found another way to connect with them by asking them for tips on improving your skills, whether it's shooting or other? 
that they're really Oh my good gosh. At? Yeah, Russian. absolutely. So we have we have a <laughs> we have a couple of guys um who are some of the firearms instructors. Um and so, you know, I've asked them, you know, for tips and like, oh, like even just like what kind of ammo or like different things like that. Like, oh, you're you're running this platform. Cool. You know, what do you like about that? Whatever. And like kind of going through like different firearms stuff with them. Um, but even like, th- like they love when you ask them about their jobs, right? Like mm-hmm. to a certain extent, some of them are like, oh, don't, let's, I don't want to talk about that. Right. But other, like, I didn't understand like how they jumped out of planes, like every other week. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we do it like once a week or like every two weeks. I'm like, what? I'm like, can you explain to me what it's like to be in the plane and like how you're like attached to whatever. And then like, and they're like, okay, well, sometimes it's like this. And sometimes you have this and sometimes you have an extra pack or like whatever. And so like, they'll go into it and, and like, they appreciate that. Cause you're not pretending you're in the army, right? Like, I don't know. And like, yeah. there's no reason I should know that. Right. I'm my wheelhouse is the weight room, right? That's cool. And like, but when I can ask them a little bit about their wheelhouse and then as it pertains to the physical platform that they need to be able to work off of, um, that's, that's a great conversation and they get to shine in that conversation and, and teach me all the things. And then we can kind of have a conversation about, okay, what does training look like for that then? You know, like mm-hmm. what can help make that experience better for you? Yeah. The, I guess speaking at uh, NSCA Tactical and then working with Special Ops, like default for teaching is referencing back to athletics, sports, boxing out in basketball, or setting up like a linebacker. So painting the picture with different different positions, like getting ready to return a serve in tennis, uh, or step like a pitcher. Uh, but then communicating, and then they're like, "You ever play basketball? No." Football? No. It's like, okay. So that first time that we were, we were working with a group and then realizing, oh shit, my whole default fall, fall to the level of my teaching has been athletics. So then it opened up the world of, okay, we need to understand. And an awesome thing is, is Luke and I got to run behind a group in a kill house and we're wearing these freaking, I don't know, $20,000 freaking night vision goggles running around behind these guys and really seeing and experiencing and realizing, okay, one, this is awesome. Two, how are they moving? I need to put the coach's eye on and observe this and focus on what they need in terms and respect to movement and then aim to reference it so I can get them in the proper position uh, in the weight room. And now when learning, and this comes from pal Jeff Gonzalez, like teaching him at the range in Austin, teaching him, teaching me at the range in Austin and making the connections between shooting stance, shoulder position and athletic position and different movement uh, that, that we do in power athlete. Like has this created a, a, a bridge for you to communicate in the weight room? Like, okay, I'm going to, we're going to set up in our squat like this and reference out something that they taught. Yeah. I think, I think my experience with firearms has helped bridge that gap a little bit because I know how to move with a weapon. Um, but you know, and that's not like a prerequisite for like, you know, coaching in the army, but like, 
happen to know those things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and happen to have done some, you know, transition movement with a weapon, that kind of stuff, done, you know, shoot houses and things like that. Um, so yeah, that's helpful. The other thing that's helpful is they are starting to have to move like athletes a little bit in the sprint drag carry. So their change of direction is necessary, right? So when I'm, I get to say that now, right? I get to say like, mm-hmm. oh, is that going to help you in your sprint drag carry? Cause your change of direction sucks. So we need to work on that. Right. So like, and then they're like, oh yeah, like I feel really slow in that. So I'm able to use my you know, the combine coaching, like, right. A five, 10, five, you know, a pro agility, whatever you call it. Um, you know, coaching skill to be able to then really break down their change of direction for sprint drag carry and make them a little bit more, um, efficient in that change of direction movement. And they'll, I mean, sometimes they'll just ask me because some of them know my background or whatever, they've seen me coach it or whatever. And, um, I've had athletes like, running one fifties or something like that. And they'll stop and be like, can you watch me change direction and just see, like, see if you can change something and like, absolutely watch them, give them, you know, one or two cues. And then like, Oh my God, now that makes so much sense. It's so much better. And so, you know, I I'm a little spoiled in that way that because the ACFT is already kind of established, right. So they already know that they need to change direction. That's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, like I've always been a really weird cure. I don't know. Um, probably from working with seven-year-olds all the way up to professional athletes, you just have to use things that work. Right. And so what worked for that seven-year-old does not necessarily work for that uh, professional athlete. Sometimes it does. Right? Sometimes a professional athlete, here's a seven-year-old like an eight-year-old. Yeah. And they're like super excited about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you know, I, like I said, like I, I have a whole, you know, idea on queuing with like, you, you can't, you have to use what works for the person. Otherwise, like, you're just going to say the same dumb thing over and over to the athlete or whoever you're working with, and they're not going to get it. Right. So you have to, you have to be very diverse in your queuing. You have to be diverse in how you're getting an athlete to understand their body. I uh, went into the clinic the other day and a guy was like, he was not getting it. We like the PT was cueing him great cues, great verbal cues, all this stuff kept, you know, and I said a few things. I'm like, how about you try it this way? Blah, blah, blah. And then I just went up to him and like put my, like put three fingers on his back. And I was like, what about this? And he was like, he was like, mm, I, I still can't like, whatever. So I was like, okay hold on one second, go ahead and do another squat. And I videoed him on my phone. And then I was like, look, and he was like, Oh my God, that's what I'm doing. Right. He had no idea. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I was like, Hey, to our PT, I was like, Hey, he's a visual learner. Like he needs to see it. And so every time we gave him a, a visual cue or showed him and said, this is what you need to do differently. He got it immediately. Right. Mm-hmm. So also understanding is your learner, a visual, audible, a kinesthetic learner, like all of those things are, are, I, I think because I was taught well early on to be able to teach, you know, Chris, I've told you the story before about how one of my first mentors, Kenny Carrington was like, Hey, Joe, you're going to coach this next session, but you can't use your, your voice. You can only use your body for demos. 
And then the next one, he was like, all right, now you're going to coach this next session, but you cannot demo at all. You can only use your voice, Mm -hmm. you know? So like just taking those things away from me, handicapping me so that I had so much more of, of a toolbox when I went to coach, you know, the next, when I had all of those things at my disposal. Right. So, um, I think being able to, um, kind of reach into your toolbox and have all kinds of different ideas is, is helpful. Absolutely. Love it. All right. Final piece and the strength and conditioning field ever changing as, as young and as, as it is, but now we're seeing this explosion in the tactical performance opportunities for strength and conditioning coaches. And I know we got a lot of uh, military personnel that are listening as well. And if they're looking for that second career, soldiers to sidelines, hey oh, but how hey, how hey, would you recommend and guide and mentor now that you're in this awesome position going from a strength coach where you love it, but now, okay, the hours suck politics suck. I need to still coach. I feel I can give so much more. How can I enter into the tactical field? Yeah. Um, I mean, my story, I think everyone's story is different, right? Uh, my story is very like all over the place, right? I started in the private sector and then I went to, you know, into the college sector and then I went into academia, but still coaching college and then popped over into tactical. Um, but I think with anything, right? Like you have to have a good reason why you're doing it. Um, if you're just, if you're just doing it because the hours are cool and like the money is cool and the population is cool, that's, that's not going to be enough. It might get you in there, you know, it might get you into like a lower level type thing or whatever, but I, I believe that every job that I've ever gotten was because I wanted that job for a purpose and not be, not necessarily for my own purpose, right? Because I wanted to add, because I wanted to give to, I wanted to give back, right? Like our collegiate alma mater, right? I wanted to give back. I wanted to have the athletes there to have an experience of having a strength conditioning program, right? So I started that program. I, you know, redid a weight room. I, you know, that kind of thing. So that athletes there could have like what you and I didn't really have, right? We had like athletic trainers who, you know, kind of had their CSCS or something and could kind of guide that. Yeah. And, and like an awesome and Smith you, machine in our fitness center. Right. And a shared fitness center with the whole university, including all the professors and the academic side. Um, and, you know, you did a lot as well to kind of bolster like the strength culture at Marymount. Right. Like, but we had to do that. We had to mm-hmm. give that back to our university. Um, and so that, you know, that was a big pull for me. And then, you know, my next job was at my grad school alma mater at George Washington and being able to give back there and, and share the experience that I had and, and bring in some, some insight that somebody else might not have. Right. And so me being in this position was really like what I said before about serving and, and giving back. And like, I say serving and I, I feel, you know, kind of cheesy saying that because they're serving, right? They're truly serving. Mm-hmm. I am just trying to do what I can as a civilian um, to actually be able to give back to that. So I think 
honestly, like being authentic in your, in your why and your purpose. And, um, obviously the, you know, the token comment of like networking, like I, I networked the heck out of, out of all of that. Like every single, every single person I talked to became a reference for me and barely any of them worked for me or worked with me. Right. But mm-hmm. I had so many people say, yeah, you want to hire Joe. I'm so grateful for those people. Um, and I think that was, that was straight up just networking. Oh yeah. And I, I highly recommend the NSCA tactical conference, like in person. And, uh, they, they are some job fair tables. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, I'm not in the field. I don't understand it. I just know a lot of awesome people within there and they're all hanging out at that, that conference and awesome people outside of strength and conditioning that are respectful in terms of the fire police uh, and military. They just go to that because they enjoy bottom line performance. And uh, that's, that's where I would recommend to start again. I'm not in that position, but I know a lot of cool people who are like you. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's how I feel about it. I'm like, I'm not that cool. I just know a lot of really cool people like you. Ah, Thank you very much. Well, uh, that's. I think this does it for another episode of the Premier Podcast in Strength and Conditioning. Joe, where should people go if they want to follow your your training as well as some of the the, the work you're doing with Soldiers Two Sidelines? Um, on Instagram, I'm at Coach underscore O underscore, and Soldiers to Sidelines is at Soldiers to Sidelines. Um, you can also go on Soldiers to Sidelines um, and you can see all the opportunities. We do uh, serve veterans, current military, and now military spouses, thanks to Wounded Warrior Project's grant. So um, any of those uh, in that population, in those three populations, can come to our free seminars. Um, you just have to have proof of service or proof of one of those other things, um, your spouse's proof of service, that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, it's, they're usually, you know, week long seminars that then open you up to other avenues of, um, networking connection and, um, uh, you know, kind of sort of like a, a job fair almost of coaching. So, Mm -hmm. and they, they connect you to a professional in college. So it, it, you're learning firsthand from coaches that they not serving themselves or maybe some have prior service, but it's the, the X's and O's and the practice and the discipline and the mindset from the best in the biz. I was fortunate. Harrison Bernstein, Power Athlete Radio, episode 458. I sat in on one evening of the, the lacrosse uh, week. And I mean, professional lacrosse players, world-class coaches, and it was awesome. And I took away a lot, even, you know, just as a, an observer for that first time. So awesome that the it's like a cool week summer camp, all X's and O's in mindset in whatever sport that you're getting into coaching or have some experience as a kid and looking to give back to your community now that you're back from what you got to do, kicking ass uh, overseas. Well, Joe, Coach Joe, Coach underscore Joe underscore. Glad to finally get you on Power Athlete Radio after, I mean, this is one's been coming for 17 years. I mean, what, what beauty in making this has been, Christopher. 
Oh, I know. It's blown my mind. Every time we hang out, I think like I've known you for half my life. It's pretty yeah, wild. It's pretty cool. Sweet. Well, happy new year. Thanks Have so much for having January. me Have a wonderful January. You betcha. And we'll, uh, we'll catch you on another episode. And then I'll be at Summer Strong. Will you be at Summer Strong? I'll see you, buddy. See it because you're going to miss the coaches conference that I'm speaking at along with Dave Terry next week. Two buddies wow. that you're just going to miss off, miss out on. No, I have no response to that. I feel horrible. I'm a bad friend. Uh, I'm basically horrible. So, well, what if I surprised you? What if I flew down and surprised both of you? That'd be amazing. I speak 8 a.m. on Saturday morning. Uh, What's, the date? Again What's the date? What's the date of 12 that? 12 p.m. It's the 8th. January 8th. So I'm 8 a.m. and 12 p.m. You know they give the best presentations times to the 8 a.m.ers. You know that like we trust this person on the third day to give a kick-ass presentation and pull people out of bed that have been drinking all night at a coach's conference. So let's give it to the numero unos. I mean, I would agree with that. I would pay good money. I have paid good money to go see you speak. So, well, there we go. Well, I, and I can I, get it for free. So, I mean, this is cra- That's crazy. I know. It sounds like you're setting me up for either a big surprise or a big letdown. It's, a po- it's probably. And we'll end it there on another episode of the Power Athlete Radio, the premier podcast in strength and conditioning, hey. 2022. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!